Our scripture reading this evening is found in the Old Testament, book of Exodus, chapter 19. Exodus, chapter 19. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness that there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God and the Lord called unto him out of the mountains saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken we will do. Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. The Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. The Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned, or shot through, whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. Moses went down from the mount unto the people, and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day, come not at your wives. It came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the nether part of the mount. And mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long, and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, 
And God answered him by a voice. The Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the mount, and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, and thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee, but let not the priests and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. And really we should read the first verse of chapter 20, which followed immediately upon that, and God spake all these words saying, and then follows the Ten Commandments. As our text, we consider together tonight Exodus chapter 19. The law of God, beloved, the Ten Commandments of that law of God are a significant part of our worship services as a reformed congregation of God's people. Each week we hear those Ten Commandments, and each week we are addressed by that law of God, the law that God uses to reveal to us our sin and our need of Christ, and the law that God uses to guide us in a life of gratitude before him. Because the law is used by God to show us our sin, any one of the commandments of the law of God, and any one of the admonitions of God in Scripture could certainly serve very well for a preparatory sermon in preparation for the sacrament of the Lord's Supper next Sunday. But what is very significant, beloved, also in addition to the law itself is how that law was given by God to his people as we read of that in Exodus chapter 19. That law was not simply given to the people by means of God giving it to Moses on two tables of stone, and then Moses descending from the mountain and reading out that law to the people of God. But rather, as we noted and should have noticed from Genesis, Exodus 19, verse 17, first of all, that the giving of the law of God involved this, that Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to 
meet with God. The people met with God when God gave them the law. They came face to face with God. They were in the presence of God, in his holy presence. And then secondly, as regards the giving of that law, that law was given by the voice of God himself. Exodus 20, verse 1, And God spake all these words, saying, His mighty voice declared his Ten Commandments to the nation of Israel from the top of Mount Sinai. And it is that, beloved, that we consider and direct our attention to for the sake of preparatory. And we do so because we need to be aware of these very same things as regards the giving of, giving of God's law in order to conduct by God's grace and spirit proper self-examination. The Lord's Supper form with regard to self-examination says this, that self-examination consists of everyone considering by himself his sins and the curse due to him for them, to the end that he may abhor and humble himself before God, considering that the wrath of God against sin is so great that God cannot let sin go unpunished. In order for us to examine ourselves in preparation for the Lord's Supper, we need to place ourselves consciously in the presence of God, as Israel was when God spoke his law to them. And we need, by the work of the Spirit in us, to hear God speak his commandments to us, and by the Spirit to examine ourselves in light of those Ten Commandments, while we stand consciously in the presence of God himself. Without that, you will not see your sins, and you will not see, as the form for the Lord's Supper says, the curse that is due to you for your sins. Without that, you will not abhor and humble yourself before God. Self-examination without the consciousness of being in the presence of God and without the awareness of God speaking to us by his word will not lead to proper preparation for the Lord's Supper. So may God apply this word to us in that way as we consider together the revelation of God at Mount Sinai. And we'll notice the preparation for it, the revelation itself, and the purpose of it. 
God determined in the history of the nation of Israel as they journeyed from Egypt to the land of Canaan to reveal himself to them at Mount Sinai. And when God determined to do that, when God planned to do that, God first gave commandment to the nation of Israel concerning preparation that must be made for this revelation of God. This was going to be a remarkable event. God would come down from heaven. God would make an appearance to the nation of Israel from the top of Mount Sinai. That is, he would make his presence known and he would make his presence felt by the nation of Israel. God would meet with them, and they would meet with God, and God would speak to them. The nation of Israel must realize how remarkable an event that would be. And so God said, prepare yourselves for this. Prepare yourselves properly for this. And then you learn from Exodus chapter 19 that God was not going to be satisfied with a quick preparation on their part. It wasn't that they woke up one morning and Moses came with the announcement to the nation of Israel, hurry, God is going to reveal himself today, gather round, in a few minutes, God will begin speaking to us. But, as verses 10 and 11 point out, this was a two-day preparation for that. A lengthy preparation to impress upon the nation of Israel and to impress upon the people of God how serious this revelation of God to them would be and how serious it would be for them to meet God, to stand in the presence of God, and to hear the voice of God speak to them. They must be prepared. And what's interesting to note, beloved, is that the first part of the preparation is that God said something to them about their identity. We read of that in verses 3 through 6. This is the first stage, you could say, of their preparation when God said to Moses, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be a kingdom of priests, and an holy nation. That's first. That's what God said first. that was not saved by God for later. 
That was not what God informed them after he revealed himself in order to, as it were, calm them down again after that mighty revelation that he made of himself to them from the mountain. But God said it first to them. And God said it first to lay the groundwork for his revelation to them, a beautiful description to them of who God was in relation to them, a beautiful description to them of what God had done for them, as well as a description of who they were in relation to God as his people. They were his covenant people. God spoke about them as a holy nation. God described them as a peculiar treasure to God. And God affirms that, that that's what they were in his eyes by what he says about them or about what he had done for them in verse 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. God reminds them of his great deliverance of them from Egypt. When God called his son out of Egypt, they were enslaved there. They were under the oppression of the enemy there. There was no hope of freeing themselves from Egypt and the bondage of slavery there. All typical of bondage to sin. God says, I destroyed the Egyptians. I destroyed your enemy. And I delivered you from the hands of your enemy. And I delivered you by my mighty hand and by my stretched out arm from that enemy. I delivered you from the Egyptians. That is to say, I have delivered you from bondage to Seth. That's why you are a holy nation. That's why you are a peculiar treasure unto me. They were a saved people. God says to them more than that when he points out something concerning what he had done for them since delivering them out of Egypt. I not only saved you, but ever since I delivered you from Egypt, God says, I have carried you on eagles' wings. That's what an eagle does with its eaglets when they are learning to fly. Especially the first time that an eaglet jumps from its nest and begins to learn to fly and the parent is there with its supreme, powerful eyesight watching that eaglet, taking care to notice whether that eaglet can fly already or not. And if not, that eagle will swoop down under its eaglet and catch it and bear it up on itself to safety, protecting that eaglet from smashing 
to its death on the ground. And God says, that's what I did for Israel. That's what I did for you as my people. You were like this eaglet learning to fly, learning to live in the wilderness that represents this world as you were journeying on the way to Canaan, facing hardships in the wilderness, dangers and temptations all around you in this world. The threat of the enemies against you and experiencing an extremely difficult life as my people in the midst of this world, but I was there to carry you on eagles' wings, safely keeping and protecting you every step of the way. And why? Because it was my purpose, as God says in verse 4, to bring you unto myself to bring you into blessed covenant fellowship with me, your God. That's the first thing God declares to them. And he declares it to them, first of all, because this must be in the forefront of their minds when God reveals himself to them from Mount Sinai. That revelation from Mount Sinai would be a very powerful revelation of God. He would reveal himself from a smoking and a quaking mountain. There would be great noise, and it would be a revelation of God that could easily make the people think that God was angry with that, that he had come down in wrath against that. God assures them ahead of time. That will not be the case. Because you are mine. I have brought you unto myself. You are my beloved. You are my treasure. Precious and valuable. Beautiful, reassuring words to the nation of Israel and beautiful, reassuring words to us as we live in the wilderness of this world. Then the next stage of their preparation for this revelation of God was that they must prepare themselves. This was necessary in order for them to meet God. Verses 10 and 11, the people must be sanctified. The Lord said unto Moses, go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. They were instructed to conduct ceremonial cleansing, ceremonial sanctification, a cleansing of themselves that was a picture to them of the cleansing from sin, a cleansing of their clothing and of themselves that was God's command to them, the call of the gospel to them to repent of their sins 
and to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. It was the command of God to them, lay aside your sins. Confess them. Repent of them. And turn from them. That being the instruction God gave to them in the picture language of the Old Testament scriptures. And that preparation involved what's mentioned in verses 12 and 13, namely that the mountain that God would reveal himself from had to be isolated. A boundary put around it because God would appear on that mountain and God would be on that mountain. And the people must know that God is God and they must know that he is high above them and they must know that the holy God is appearing to them and that they, in relation to him, are of themselves filthy sinners who have no right to be in his presence. Only after all that careful and lengthy preparation will God reveal himself to his people. And so that, beloved, has application to us in our preparation for the Lord's Supper. Obviously, one of the Applications is this. We approach the Lord's Supper in faith. We approach the Lord's Supper hearing what God said to Israel about Israel as the church, that they were delivered by God and they were a holy nation. They were a peculiar treasure to him. They were his covenant people whom he had brought unto himself. God declares that to us. God wants us to know that. By nature, that's not what we are. By God's grace. That's the beautiful people that God has made us to be. And as that people, we must examine ourselves in preparation for the Lord's Supper. Not a quick, last-minute thing that we might conduct or think about next Sunday morning. The Lord has given us a week of self-examination. Our Reformed fathers have understood the necessity of that and therefore called for a preparatory sermon a week before the Lord's Supper. A week in which we examine ourselves and a week in which, as the children of Israel did, we are called to purify ourselves. That is, a week in which we are to be busy confessing and repenting of and turning 
from sin. And we ought always to be doing that. But we are called in a special way to engage in that in preparation for the Lord's Supper. So that we don't come into the presence of God, we don't come to meet God as the Pharisee in the parable of Christ who said, God, I thank thee that I am not like other men are. They are sinners, but I'm not. But rather, so that we come into the presence of God with a simple prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Preparation for the Lord's Supper. On the third day, God appeared. It came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain Smoke it. What a revelation of God. An earthquake. The whole of Mount Sinai shaking before them, no doubt, rocks tumbling down the mountainside. Fire from heaven. The mountain in flames before the eyes of the people of God with smoke ascending up to heaven that was thick and black. And then the noise, the noise of the mountain, the noise of the fire, the noise of the trumpets sounding long and louder and louder. And eventually the noise of the voice of God himself. And God spake all these words, saying, What an astounding sight and sounds that must have been for the... We stand amazed today at an earthquake. We stand amazed today at the power of God displayed in a tornado or a volcano or in a tsunami, but that's nothing compared to what happened at Mount Sinai. The multitude stood there before that mountain, some two million people watching it, and that mountain shook, and that mountain burned, and that mountain smoked, and there was a great noise announcing, God is here. Through all of that, God revealed especially one fundamental truth to the nation of Israel about himself. And it was not simply that he was God and God alone, nor was it simply that he is the almighty God or that he is the exalted God above all creation. Nor was it that 
he is a God to be feared. But the revelation of God from Mount Sinai was this. God is a holy God. He made Israel realize he was so holy that they could not approach him as they were in themselves. And God had said, as we know, I love you, my people, and you are a special people. You are a holy nation. You are my peculiar treasure. But you must understand this also. I am a holy God who hates sin. Let one thing be clear to you through this quaking, burning, smoking mountain. I am a consuming fire with regard to sin. I burn and I smoke with anger against it. The holiness of God. And so the people trembled, verse 16, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And that's repeated in chapter 20, verse 18. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. They were given such a great sense of the holiness of God that they withdrew. God made them realize that they were sinners, that they could not stand for a moment in the presence of a holy God on their own and live. And so they stood back, they withdrew from the awe and the wonder of that revelation of God, the revelation of God's greatness and the revelation of God's holiness that was before him. And they were brought by God to a clear understanding of who God is as the holy God and of what they were in relation to him as sinners. That, beloved, ought always to be true of you and me. Whenever we approach God, as we approach him in worship, as we approach him in prayer, and even as we approach him in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, a proper sense of our sin and unworthiness before him. We cannot approach such a holy God on our own and live. One is reminded of the words of the New Testament in the book of James. Cleanse your hearts, ye sinners. Or, as stated in the form for the administration of the Lord's Supper, abhor and humble yourself 
before God. When it comes to entering the presence of God at any time, and then when it comes to entering the presence of God as we approach Him in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, there ought to be a measure of hesitancy on our part. Not that we stay at home, not that we stay away, we may not. We need to come. We need to come into the presence of God consciously in worship and consciously when we partake of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper because sinners need God and need the gospel that is proclaimed to us through the sacrament. But we certainly must realize who it is that we are approaching whose presence it is that we are entering and come humbly. Humbly to hear the gospel proclaimed, humbly to see the gospel demonstrated to us in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, and humbly to have our faith strengthened by God our gracious God. Why did God do this? That is, why did God reveal himself and his holiness in this way? Why did God, even in that revelation of himself as Verse 16 points out, caused the people in the camp to tremble before him. God did it in order to declare as well as to drive home to them and for them the gospel of Jesus Christ. His revelation served to show them that they could fellowship with him as his people, as that holy nation, as that peculiar treasure of God in only one way. And that way was not a way that they could come up with. They could not stand before that mountain of God as they were in themselves. The only way they could be near to God, the only way in which they could be in that covenant of fellowship with God, the only way that they could continue as that peculiar treasure to God was through a mediator, someone as a go-between between them and God. That that was God's purpose is evident, especially from verse 19 of chapter 20. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear but let not God speak with us lest we die. They could only fellowship with God through a God-appointed mediator. That was Moses. That was Moses already in chapter 19, the one speaking to God, the one speaking to the people, the one bringing the word of the people back to God, the one bringing the word of God back to the people. The Old Testament picture of the 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses mediated for them. And the people learned the most fundamental lesson concerning their relationship to God as we must always be reminded of that without the mediator, God is a consuming fire. He will burn up and destroy every sinner. But because of God's mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have fellowship with God. Because of him, we are received into the presence of God. Because of him alone, God says, you are my peculiar treasure. And that's what God declares to us through this history and through this event. We also, as verse 17 said, meet with God. We meet with God often. We meet with God repeatedly. You meet with God whenever you read the Word of God. You meet with God whenever you pray. You meet with God whenever you worship. You meet with God whenever you sing the praises of God, whether audibly or quietly to yourself. And we also meet with God whenever the sacrament of the Lord's Supper is administered. We meet with and we have fellowship with him. In fact, we even refer sometimes to the Lord's Supper as communion. Communion. A time of covenant fellowship with Jehovah because we have a spiritual meal together. And as we are by nature, without the mediator, we have reason to fear. Who am I to be allowed into the presence of God, the holy God? How can I meet with him? How can I have fellowship with him? What right do I have to partake of the sacrament that pictures Christ? Of ourselves, no right whatsoever. But God has provided the mediator. The mediator who is himself pictured to us in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, because of whom we may enter the presence of God and partake of the sacrament and may even do it with confidence, the confidence of faith. Though we are sinners, we don't have to tremble with fright before this holy God because of the finished work of Christ. We may enter and partake in the confidence of faith. And in the confidence of faith that says through the Spirit in us, this will be for your blessing. 
This will be for the strengthening of your faith. This will be for the strengthening of the assurance of your cleansing through Jesus Christ, your mediator. Let us then remember and meditate on this as we examine ourselves in preparation for the Lord's Supper. Every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us has sinned and continues to sin. The Lord's Supper is for sinners who, by God's grace, abhor and humble themselves before God and who also believe that God has punished their sins through the mediator, Jesus Christ, that he has provided and through Christ's bitter and shameful death on the cross. Church and the believer confesses, Hallelujah, praise be to God, and thanks to God for Christ. And we come then to be assured of God's love and mercy. May God grant us that blessing. Amen. O God and our Heavenly Father, bless to our hearts thy word, apply it by thy spirit, humble us as we meditate upon and contemplate the holiness of thee, our God, in whose presence we stand and in whose presence we always stand and lead us to abhor and humble ourselves before thee to find our hope and joy, our comfort and our peace in Christ and in him alone. In his name we pray, amen.